Debbie Marcuse, licensed by the Department of Financial Institutions, NMLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 0941504. Florida, LO76508. Georgia, 69178. Idaho, Nevada, 57237. Oregon, Tennessee, 184373. Texas, Washington, MLO237926. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go, pick up the phone and call mom. All right. Well, hello and welcome to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marcoux. I am the mortgage mom. I am the only trademarked uh, mortgage mom out there. So if somebody's calling themselves that, they are not the mortgage mom. Anyway, uh, with me today is uh, Wendy Crypto O. Uh, We're going to call you Wendy today. Is that okay? Please. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But you have the, it's the Wendy O Show, right? Yeah, my show is the O Show. And we just talk about crypto, all kinds of fun stuff. I love it. And then today I also have, uh, uh, so sorry, I'm like totally nervous and starstruck that I am on with you today, Wendy. So forgive Thank me. You. Um, but I have got uh, Tony Kuda with JMJ Financial. He is the VP of underwriting and uh, finances with JMJ. Uh, how you doing today, Tony? I'm great. How about you guys? I am good. So Tony, you've got 20 plus years in the business, uh, underwriting and approving and now head of underwriting with JMJ. Uh, all of the conventional FHA portfolio, all of those products. Um, are you loving it? Absolutely. It's fun times right now in the industry. That's for sure. Lots of lots of changes. So that is why we are on today. We're going to be talking with Wendy all about uh, your Bitcoin, your crypto, what you can and can't do with it as far as your down payment, your reserves. Um, I know that we had a conversation, Wendy, you and I, about you know the fact that you recently bought yourself a home. And um, you know, give us a little bit of that struggle that you had. So, um, I've got quite a bit of money in crypto because that's what I do for work. I invest, I trade, I've got a business, got to do a lot of really cool, fun stuff. And I host a lot of free um, networking events across Southern California. So if you guys are interested in learning more about crypto, make sure to go to my website, sign up for the free newsletter. We do a lot of really great crypto education, but more importantly, you'll stay up to date on the meetups. Um, So basically we went to go buy a home and you know, I was lucky enough because we had sold the original property in, you know, a Southern California neighborhood. And I was able to take that, um, you know, that money and utilize it for a down payment on the house. But part of the struggle that I had, because home prices are so, so expensive in California right now, and they keep going up and up and up, is that because most of my money is in crypto, um, I wasn't able to use any of that wealth um, for the down payment. So they weren't able to say, we'll give you a better rate, or you can you know, use this proof of funds. So everything had to be cash. And then also too, as far as my income goes, um, I, a lot of the money that I make is in crypto. And because I don't want to have to pay tax taxes on my stuff. Like I like to keep some of my crypto in crypto because anytime you sell, you do have to pay, you know, certain taxes on that. Of course, um, please make sure you consult with the CPA, somebody that's licensed and registered um, to kind of, you know, let you know, you know, different things regarding your situation. Cause my situation is going to be different than yours, but it was a really, really big struggle. Cause I have all this money in crypto and I couldn't use that for proof of funds. And if you want to get that good deal um, or you want to get those low payments, you have to have proof of funds. So it was a really big struggle. Um, we're able to get it closed, get it sorted, but at the same time too, it's stressful. It's like what, like, because more and more people are joining the crypto space, more and more people are investing or they're interested in potentially, let's say you've got a small business, a small burger shop or a small taco shop, and you want to, you know, use a 
a marketing strategy and accept cryptocurrency, accept Bitcoin. Well, guess what? You can do that. But at the same time, those funds may not count for income or any other things. And then if you want to cash out, you may be hit with a tax penalty. Um, so it can be a little bit challenging, but we were able to get it closed. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the future because you guys may or may not have some solutions for me and my people. <laughs> Well, we, we certainly do, and that's why I brought uh, Tony on, because Tony is obviously the underwriting manager at the company that I do all of our loans through, and um, we have definitely been, I would say, making leaps and bounds this year. Uh, well, gosh, we're at the beginning of this year, so I'd say leaps and bounds in 2021 where things have been changing. So I'm going to ask Tony questions and let him answer them. You please, uh, Wendy, jump in and ask questions that you're thinking as we're going through you know, kind of the Q&A. And um, please stop us if you've got something that's happening. I want to remind everybody uh, that is out there that's watching, this is an interactive show. You guys are more than welcome to put your questions right into the feed. And I will uh, read them out loud. I will ask them to uh, Wendy. I'll ask them to Tony. Whatever you're thinking, please feel free to go ahead and put that into the feed. So um, here we're going to get started. So I think the first thing that, well, let me ask this. Tony, you're, you're the underwriter, right? Um, you're listening to what uh, Wendy just had to say about kind of her struggles of what she had going on with her transaction. So let's start with, you know, having a lot of funds in your account in crypto. So um, what it, let's say we're going to look at first and we've got tons of product, but we're going to look at Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, normal standard conventional financing here in Los Angeles County. We've got nine hundred and seventy thousand that we can do a loan up to that number. How are you feeling about crypto right now for down payment and closing costs? Right now, as long as we liquidate the cryptocurrency and we put it into a U.S. bank or savings account, um, we will use it for down payment, closing costs, and reserves. Um, but you do have to liquidate it and put it into a U.S. savings uh, or checking account. Okay. okay. And that is for the down payment and the reserve. So there's, which obviously there is no way to transfer Bitcoin to a lender and have them use that as the down payment and closing costs. Escrow companies just aren't there yet. Now, as yeah. far as um, verifying it, how are you verifying it? What is it? Is it only Bitcoin? Can it be any crypto asset? What is it that you're looking for and how are we proving it? That's a great question. So it can be any kind of uh, any kind of cryptocurrency right now, as long as it's liquidated and put into your checking or savings account. It could be any kind of cryptocurrencies. We'll get into a couple scenarios here later where um, Bitcoin only is going to be accepted. Um, but for the liquidation piece, it's if any kind of Bitcoin or any kind of sorry cryptocurrency that is liquidated is able to be used for closing costs and and uh, down payment. Okay, so now let's say that we don't want to liquidate. Uh, we just want to use it for reserves. Uh, obviously, and you, you kind of explained this to me on Saturday on the show, but we do have programs that we could use those reserves without having to liquidate. Is that correct? Correct. We have some portfolio programs that we're going to be able to use as reserves. As of now, they will only use Bitcoin. They're not using other cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin is eligible and they will use 50% of the account balance instead of the full thing just because of market, um, you know, uh, volatility and stuff. So they only use 50% of it, but you don't have to liquidate it and you are able to use that for reserves on our portfolio program. I got a question about, I'm sorry, I got a question about that. What happens if there, it's in stable coins? Because I do have a large portion of my portfolio in stable coins. And one of the reasons why I have that is because I'm out of, I'm, 
I'm adamantly taking profits um, on a lot of my more risky plays. And the reason why I like stable coins is they pay the highest APY back per year or whatever, whatever it may be on some of the centralized exchange. Like if you look at your bank account, your bank account's going to pay or your savings account, they'll pay you maybe 0.01% or 0.03%. But with cryptocurrency, there's some exchanges like FTX US that will pay you up to 8% back just by holding stable coins. So a lot of people, what they're doing, they're taking their USD, they're um, flipping it into USDC, which is a stable coin. It's generally pegged one-to-one by the US dollar. There's very little um, volatility there. And then we're able to earn these really, really amazing <laughs> rates back just by kind of holding on to stable coins. Right now, the rules are going to stay the same with that, with having to liquidate or um, and only allowing for Bitcoin on the reserves on the portfolio program. I do think this is going to get way more aggressive in the future just because of the popularity of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in, in general. So I do think that's going to get more aggressive in the future. But right now, those are the rules. Um, they're, they're, they're not allowing. If we liquidate, no problem. Take the stable coins. We're able to do it. Um, but for the reserves, they're only allowing Bitcoin for now. Got it, got it. And, and the one thing I do want to kind of bring everybody back is I know that it, you hear, well, we need to liquidate. So in the United States, the only way to buy a home if you're doing financing, which 87% of about approximately 87% of people that buy homes get financing for those homes. We're still using escrow companies to close the properties or title companies, um, attorneys, depending on the state that you're in inside of the United States. They're not accepting Bitcoin. So it's not like you could transfer your Bitcoin as the collateral. The bank that is giving you the loan, they don't have Bitcoin on that other end. So if you're doing your down payment and your closing costs, no different than if you had stocks with Merrill Lynch or Charles Schwab, you would be liquidating those stocks for that down payment. So where we've made huge leaps and bounds this year, or 2021, uh, is that before, and, and Tony, you can tell me when you think that it actually got started, but before we couldn't use any kind of a crypto at all. We couldn't verify that you had bought it. We couldn't verify that it was yours. We couldn't verify that you sold it and then actually use it, allow you to use it, even if we could source it for down payment and reserves. We're now actually allowing that to happen, which was not happening before. And then in general, even having any program whatsoever that will allow it to stay in Bitcoin as a reserve, um, that was never happening either. Uh, Tony, I, I wanna say I did a loan probably April 2021 that uh, I couldn't use the funds for the down payment. When do you feel like they started to make that change where they're now allowing us to show them the, uh, you know, the statement and the transaction histories in some, you know, some of the wallets like Coinbase or the exchanges? Yeah, I think that was about middle of last year or so, at least from our investors. That's when they, you know, started having an appetite for it. Um, I think it was about the middle of last year, maybe, you know, Q2 sometime. Um, and then they, they started allowing for that in the liquidation at that point. Um, a lot of investors still don't even comment on it because they don't really want to dive into it and have the negative um, reputation of not taking it and stuff. So there's still a lot of people out there that won't take it and just don't even comment on it because they don't want that with them. Gotcha. Uh, and then as far as um, another thing that, that Wendy mentioned in her story was that, you know, she uh, gets a good amount of her income in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. And so um, as of today, if we're doing a full income doc loan, we wouldn't, it, well, okay, I don't want to answer that question, but can we, is there any way to source what she's earning in the crypto space to apply towards her income without her actually claiming it in a tax return? 
As of now, there's really not. I believe most of that comes over from, you know, capital gains. And yeah, it's not like it's interest and dividend income that we would use on a normal stock account or some of those other accounts. Um, so as of now, income qualifying, uh, I don't believe we have a piece that does that. I do think that's something that's going to get popular in the future and be able to use. But as of now, no one's really written guidelines um, to allow for it. Okay. And so in that situation, uh, we... So I don't really think that we have an opportunity. I mean, we've got investment loans. If you're buying yourself an investment property where we're not verifying income at all, uh, everything is based on the property itself as far as uh, the property carrying in itself. So keep that in mind, Wendy. If you ever decide you want to buy an investment property, uh, we can actually qualify the property, not your income. So it's your credit score and the property and your down payment and you're good to go. And on those programs, those non-QMs, I think we feel pretty good about down payment coming from Bitcoin. Yes, yes. Down payment coming from Bitcoin. And those are also the programs that we're talking about that we can stay there for reserves and keep it in the exchange and still use it as reserves as well. And then uh, what about bank statement loans? So again, um, a lot of her money is getting paid to her in crypto. So is there or do you feel like very near future we might? So the hard thing, I guess, is with the, the wallets and the exchanges, it's hard to really truly get an, uh, a bank statement, right? Like you would with your normal bank account. So if you're a self-employed borrower, you're typically, let's say you're a mom and pop taco shop, you're depositing money, whether it's cash, whether it's, you know, deposits, whether it's your square payments, you're depositing money into your bank account and you're seeing those deposits happen that we're able to look at that bank statement. Do you, we can kind of sort of see that in Bitcoin, but it's a little harder, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think that's something that we'll see people getting more aggressive on in the future. Um, something bank statement loans right now, if we had a business bank statement that had a lot of those crypto deposits coming through, I could see us maybe being able to make an exception and use those deposits, you know, along with our analysis of the bank statements as qualifying income. Um, but I don't think you're going to just have, uh, you know, just using Bitcoin or here, here's my gains from Bitcoin. I don't believe that's going to be an eligible use of qualifying income for now. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, uh, Wendy, do you have any additional questions, anything that we've brought up so far that you're thinking like, well, wait a minute, I thought maybe you could do more or a scenario that you were hoping we could have maybe come up with a solution for? Well, for example, there's a particular exchange that I trade on. So all of my profits, I go ahead and transfer those funds, which is in crypto. It's either in a stable coin or it's Bitcoin. I transfer that over to a particular exchange that I have with one of my businesses. So you'll see all of these deposits. You're not going to see who it's from. You'll see that it's from a, um, you'll see that it's from another address, but they're consistent deposits. Um, would that be able to be used as income or not at all? And that was into a, I'm sorry, what, it went into a business exchange. That's what it was into? Well, okay. So this is An another- An exchange that has your business name on it. Is that what it is? <laughs> kind of sort of. So with crypto, okay. it's very, very tricky. And I actually, um, last year I was able to register under different cryptocurrency exchanges. I was able to use my S Corp and my LLC to have a business account under that those particular accounts because I have multiple ones. So basically there's a particular exchange that I use to trade and do some investing. Um, my profits, I take those profits and then I send them over to my business account, which is a cryptocurrency exchange, but it's underneath one of my LLCs or my S Corp yeah. so that you can see all of these deposits. Like I'm getting paid 
but it's not in cash. It's in cryptocurrency, but it's there. So you're going to see all of these deposits. You're not going to be able to see who it's from. You can track the wallet addresses because yeah. every single, you know, every single crypto wallet address has, you can check through the ether scan or block explorer or whatever it is, but they'll show, it'll show up that I'm getting paid in that account. So when I go to file my taxes, we utilize those addresses for, you know, for that to, to, to say, Hey, this is what we made. This is what we are doing. This is the type of transaction that it was. And then obviously I have to pay taxes on that. And then if I do decide to cash it out. Yeah. Well, with the lending industry is probably still a few months behind on that. Um, I think in the future, that is something that they'll open up to because it's almost like right now where you're looking at business bank statements and just seeing business deposits coming through. That's basically what you have, um, except it's just not recognized as being a U.S. account and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think eventually that will be something that will be allowed. Awesome. Yeah. And then also you're, you said that you're actually claiming that income when you're filing the tax returns. That's how you're doing it. So your tax returns actually are going to have that income in them already, which means that we're going to give you that income in qualifying so I, I think that you're actually kind of doubly covered, <laughs> um, but the, the bank statements are, are the bank statement programs are really nice uh, for somebody that is self-employed just and all they're doing is depositing a lot of um, they're either depositing cash because they're a restaurant or a pizza, a pizza shop. The pizza guys uh, get a lot of cash in and out of their of their businesses. So sometimes they don't necessarily claim the income that they earn. And those uh, those programs are good for them. But it sounds like you're utilizing it in the right way, uh, which most people don't in claiming the income that you've earned and filing the taxes correctly. Is that did I get did I grab it? Yeah, no, I have to, like, I have, I have a really, really amazing um, CPA attorney. I've got like a pretty extensive legal team because I just want to make sure I'm doing everything correctly. Cause I am, you know, my, my face is out there. And if I do something, I want to make sure that I'm paying taxes on it, which again, you guys, I'm not the biggest tax person. I don't like paying taxes, but at the same time I have to pay taxes. So I just submitted most of my stuff to my tax guy. I called him, I think like a month ago and I was like, I'm going to be submitting all my stuff. I'm really, really sad. Like, just tell me how much I owe and I'll get it paid but I do pay. So when I do actually, when I do have to go pay my taxes, when they come back and say, Hey, you owe X amount, I'm going to have to cash out a specific amount of my portfolio for my business and then pay, which is going to hurt very, very badly, but I, I still do it. But I do have like paper trails with all of this stuff. Um, because I, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm doing, I'm being as honest as possible. Cause literally the th what, a what a lot of people, a big misconception with crypto is people think associate crypto and Bitcoin with like do it with people that are kind of like shady coders or whatever, whatever, what, what's her name said, but in all actuality, um, cryptocurrency, unless you're using a privacy coin, it's all public. It's all on the public ledger. It's all in a public blockchain. So you literally can check all of the addresses and see, you know, what somebody's doing with their stuff. So if somebody's doing something illicit, um, you probably can track that, um, with, which with cash, you necessarily can't track it unless it's going through a bank account. And obviously the people that are doing things that are illicit, they're not going to be putting their money through a bank account. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I, I actually really like crypto quite a bit because it is, it, to me, it's a nice long-term investment. It is a lot more volatile, but it also has the potential for much larger gains than you would see in the normal stock market. So me being on, you know, I'm not spring chicken anymore, but being on the younger side of things, I have the ability to be a little bit more aggressive in where I'm putting my funds. And so obviously I want it to grow as much as it can. I don't want to liquidate it or cash it out 
if I don't have to, I don't want to pay taxes on those gains if it is really more savings. But if that is where my down payment is going to come from, we can't get around the idea that down payment and closing costs still have to be done in cash uh, for that purchase. There's, there are n no companies right now that are taking or allowing for the crypto asset as the actual you know, they're, they're not, escrow companies are not letting you send them your, your Bitcoin to purchase the house, even if you bought that house in cash. So um, the fact that we can keep it in there as a collateral for reserves, though, is a, is a really big, big deal. Because before to actually use those reserves, you would have had to liquidate. And that's where you really want to be able to keep your money, you know, in the wallet or in the exchange and not, not sell it, not take that capital gains just to have been able to, you know, show the bank that you have six months, you know, of reserves or 12 months of reserves that are needed for that program. So I think we've made big strides. But Tony, what do you see anything special coming down that you're expecting to happen this year or, you know, thoughts or what you're hoping for? Anything you can give us? Yeah, on the on the crypto piece, I think this is about where it's going to land for 2022. I don't, you know, I think maybe six months from now we might be having a different conversation. But people just even getting comfortable with even using Bitcoin in general, I think, was a big deal. Um, even you know, even liquidating it, I know that's not as fun for uh, for investors. Um, but that that was a big piece. And like I said, even at, at the end of last year, just being able to keep those reserves in there and use it as a an asset, it tells you people are really loosening up on just the thought of using it. And I think that that is big to begin with so i don't have anything on the table that i would say that's uh, going to come out here shortly um, but i do think aggression is going to um further <clears throat> in the market we'll just keep getting more aggressive and aggressive when it comes to bitcoin as long as the popularity stays there i've got a question sorry no go i actually heard i don't remember where the article was from but i read something that they that there's a company or a brokerage or someone that they're actually going to be utilizing it that you can utilize NFTs as collateral for like, if you want to, you know, purchase a property or something like that. And the reason why, like, if you look at the board API club, um, I think that their floor is like at 100 Ethereum. So you generally are not, <laughs> yeah, you're generally not going to be able to purchase one. Like if you own one of those, um, then it's at minimum, it's worth at least a hundred ETH because that's what the floor price is. Obviously people can sell below the floor price, do whatever it is they want to do because it's a free market. Um, but realistically, that's what, that's the average going price for those. Yeah. And that's going to be the niche going forward, right? Is a couple of companies being able to do some stuff like that. That's not mainstream right now, I would say in the mortgage industry at all, but you will probably have a couple of those outlier companies coming out to try to get some market share to be in doing some stuff like that. Um, I think we just picked up our first one, even last week, I think me and Deb talked about one um, that's trying to do, you know, keep your cryptocurrency in there and use it more as an asset like that. Um, so not even necessarily from a reserve standpoint, but more from collateral. So I do think we'll see that going forward. Right now, they're just outliers out there that are doing that, just trying to get a little bit of that market share. Um, but I do think that's going to be something big going forward. I mean, the popularity of NFTs in general is going to be huge and using that as collateral would be nice. Yeah, it'd be like if you own a big Van Gogh, right? Can I put my Van Gogh on collateral? <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> right? I know. I know. I, I would love it if we could do that. And, and it's not, that's not something that we can even do in mainstream lending. So the NFT part, if we could somehow get that uh, into play, I think that that would be absolutely amazing. Because if you think about it, with your when you're talking about an NFT, you can verify all of that history on the blockchain. You can verify where the original funds came from. Um, then you can go ahead and verify the purchase and who's who that NFT is in possession of. You can verify that just by looking at the blockchain analytics. 
and on a normal piece of art, you can't do any of that. You don't even know if it's real. Exactly. So, I mean, people always, people joke around a lot and they're like, well, I could just right click this piece of art, but in actuality, you can right click it all you want, but can you sell it for the hundred Ethereum floor price? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> well, that was awesome. Uh, do you have any other questions for, uh, for Tony, Wendy? Cause if you don't, I'm going to start asking you questions about web three and metaverse and all that good stuff. I actually don't right now, Tony. Um, he answered a lot of my questions. Of course, I wanted to get like, I, I still, okay, this is the thing. I think it's absolutely amazing that we can still hold on to our Bitcoin and kind of use it partially as collateral without having to liquidate it. Because once you liquidate those holdings, you have to pay taxes. And if you're in beautiful Southern California, you're going to get reamed with like a 30% tax hits, like something crazy like that. Again, you guys, I'm not a licensed CPA. Um, I always recommend that you do talk to a licensed CPA or somebody who's licensed and regulated to talk to you about tax, crypto taxes or any type of taxes. But I just know that I pay a lot, a lot of money. But I mean, I wish I, I wish we would have had more positive news. I'm, I'm a little bit selfish in that aspect, but it's still, the to me, it's absolutely amazing that I can hold on to my Bitcoin, utilize some of it for collateral and be like, hey, this is my income or like whatever it is. And this is actually promising for the future. Very, very, very promising. Um, because we're starting to see that we're going to be getting hit with a lot more regulation and different things like that. So overall, I'm excited about it. I just can't wait till there. I can't wait till the industry continues to move forward in the, in the right direction. It's fun. Yeah. I like to see that we're actually making these strides because I had a client, it was probably about three, three or four years ago that was trying to buy a home and her uh, father, I can't even remember what it was that he did for a living, but he was actually getting paid from his company in Bitcoin. And um, I, I don't remember, he obviously, his job was not within the United States. He was, you know, foreign national and working in another country, but he, he was literally being paid in Bitcoin by the company that he worked for. And he was trying to gift his daughter the down payment uh, for her to purchase her home. And we absolutely would not accept it. He had to liquidate it. He had to send it to somebody else. Then from there, that person had to give her the gift for the down payment. We, there, they were just absolutely, it was, it was like shut off to the world. And I know Tony can attest, Bitcoin was the worst thing you could have possibly ever mentioned that you had. It was absolutely unacceptable. It wasn't going to be used. Uh, then I'd say we, we got a little bit more creative at the end of 2020. And we were able to, if we could prove that you took the money from your bank account and you bought that Bitcoin and then you liquidated it, you know, if we could cover all that paper trail, then we could actually use it for the down payment and the closing costs. And now, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, now we truly just need to verify the sale, correct? Yeah, there are some programs, like in some of the jumbo programs of some of the bigger banks, they're really looking for you purchasing it. Um, hey, here's my money going in USD and here's it coming out Bitcoin. Obviously, we understand uh, markets change and increase quite a bit and stuff. So we might see 10,000 going in and 30,000 coming out. Um, but that is uh, that is absolutely accurate. So there will be still still some programs that will have to source that going in. Um, but our normal stuff, we're OK with it on, on the conventional side, just sourcing the deposit coming into our accounts. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it is getting lighter. I know it doesn't sound like it's an amazing uh, difference, but for, you know, me talking to a client directly, being that loan officer and saying, well, I need, you know, for your Fannie Mae loan or your Freddie Mac or your FHA or your VA, you know, I need every bank statement from every time that you purchased your Bitcoin. And then I need you to show me, you know, that it came out of your account. Now I need you to then liquidate and send it. And now I need to see that you made those sales. It was so much more paperwork than just 
show me you liquidated. So we are making those strides. I wish it would come faster too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, well, with Wendy's point about regulation, I think it is going to come faster now because of the regulation. You know, people, once, once it's regulated, then people obviously get okay with it. So I do think it will start moving a little bit faster. We're sort of baby steps right now, but I do think in the future, it's going to move faster because of that regulation. Awesome. All right. So if the, it's okay with you, uh, Wendy, I want to take a super fast break. And then when we come back, it's like literally 10 seconds. I want to start asking you questions about metaverse and web web three. It's web three, right? Yes. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be web five or web six soon or web four, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. We're going to be right back. All right, and welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marku, and I'm talking today with uh, Wendy Crypto, Crypto Wendy O. <laughs> I always get Yay. it all backwards. Uh, and Tony Kuda with JMJ Financial, and we're talking Bitcoin, and we're talking uh, getting your mortgage, and now we're going to actually start learning uh, some things that I know nothing about. I don't know, Tony, I don't know how versed you are in it, so you feel free to jump in and ask a bunch of questions too. This is all super cool. Um, this is the Mortgage Mom Radio Show, and my goal is – to help people secure their financial future, whether that's through you know, real estate, uh, getting that mortgage, buying that first home, buying their second home investment property. And when I heard you talk about metaverse and buying real estate and metaverse, I thought this is really important because I see crypto being a way towards financial freedom in the future. You know, it's obviously not buy it today and it's gonna you know, double its money overnight. Um, but I definitely think we're seeing uh, long-term that it's going to be something that will change uh, the dynamics of, of a family's future. And so uh, if you don't mind giving us some time right now, really, really appreciate it because I got to tell you, I know nothing about any of it and very, very confused. So if you um, were talking to me, a uh, brand newbie here about Metaverse, how do you explain it? You know, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, Ready Player One, the movie, everybody's going to be wearing goggles, playing games. Uh, but, you know, I can't really quite understand where the financial part comes in and, you know, the benefits and things of that nature. So maybe you can give us a, a way to way to wrap our head around it. Sure. OK, so there's a lot there's a lot to kind of digest here. So I'm going to try to go through it um, very, very smoothly. So a lot of people hear metaverse, Web3 tech and they get like super confused, They're like, oh, my God, I don't know what this is. This is so tech heavy. I'm scared. Like, I, I feel I don't feel like I'm smart enough. Like, I don't know what this is. So I used to feel that way when I first got into crypto. I was like, what the heck is this stuff? Like, I didn't come from a tech background. I didn't come from a strong STEM background. Heck, in the United States, most of our public schools were not really taught. Number one, we're not taught finances. Um, we're really not taught tech. We're not really we don't really place a lot of emphasis on math and STEM just because that's not the way our society works. However, when you go to college, everybody needs to know how to do math classes or STEM or calculus or whatever it is, because that's where the highest paying jobs are. So if you're watching this, you're fine. You're, you're exactly where you need to be. I got you. So the first thing that I like to do is I like to take out a lot of these really heavy definitions and like these, some of these terms like metaverse and like blockchain technology and whatever it is, because those terms can be a little bit confusing, especially when we look at, utilize the term DAO. Like that's, if you break this stuff up and you actually look at the def or the actual words um, that it means, it can be a little bit confusing. So we want to kind of take that aspect out. 
let's kind of first start with crypto. So we're talking about cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is intangible cash for the most part. Bitcoin is intangible cash. It holds value. And the way that we determine value with cryptocurrency, with Bitcoin, with altcoins, with NFTs is in the market. Just like you go to the grocery store, you go, or let's say, for example, you go to a flea market, you go to a flea market and somebody has a dish and that are, they have a pen and they're like, I'm going to sell this pen for $10. Well, if you purchase it, if you decide to purchase that pen for mar at market value for $10, then you're help you're, you're participating in a market and you're deciding that this pen is worth $10. Very similar with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is currently trading like $37,000 right now. And it, the market has decided that that's what it's worth. So people determine the value of these intangible assets. And when you, when you're thinking to yourself, like, that's crazy, it's not a real thing. I can't touch it. But I'm pretty sure most of you, if you open your wallet up, you have credit cards. You have credit cards, you have debit cards, you have these means of payments, or maybe you're using um, Apple, Apple Pay or Samsung Pay, whatever it is. So you're making digital payments daily. We use the internet for everything. So it's really not too, it's not so far-fetched when you think of it that way. Taking it a step further, when we're talking about cryptocurrency, every single transaction is is on a blockchain. That means that you can track it unless you're utilizing a privacy coin um, or privacy protocol, but we're not going to talk about it for purposes of today's show because that's just going to get a little bit confusing. So everything is fully, anytime a transaction happens, so if I want to go ahead and say, Deborah, um, some money for service, I can go ahead, I ask you for your, um, your Bitcoin address and I can go ahead and send you crypto and you can track that address. You can track my wallet to your wallet Everybody can see that transfer of however much Bitcoin or stable coins or whatever it is. And similarly, you can actually go back to my wallet address and you can kind of track my spending and whatever, it, you know, where the, the origins of that came from. So taking it a step further, um, when we talk about metaverse, metaverse is kind of like this, this big world, this big VR world where people are doing things and it's not in a tangible manner. Very, very similar to playing a video game or to interacting kind of with somebody online. So you're still doing something, but it's kind of in this like alternate reality. But I think the more important thing of it is we don't, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I got a cold. But I think more importantly, um, a lot of people don't understand that this is where things are going. Everybody's into gaming. Everything is like, every, everybody's kind of stuck at home and everybody is utilizing services online that are not necessarily tangible. So what if we took these intangible services and we did all, we did all of these services, like maybe going to a doctor, you saw your doctor in the metaverse, or maybe going to the dentist, you saw your you know, dentist in the metaverse. Um, but what happens if we started to do all this stuff kind of remotely? You poor thing, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I've got, guys, I got a little bit of a cold. So we talk about metaverse, we're talking about that. And then there's also the creation of NFTs. And then Web3 is going to kind of be a more interactive internet. All it is is going to be an upgrade from Web2 to Web3. And like back in, I want to say the early 90s, we saw the internet. Most of that stuff was like 1D. It was like on, like when you used to go into AOL chat rooms, like, you know, meet people, stuff like that. And then Web2 is what we're currently seeing. Like we can still utilize it. It works great. But Web3 is just kind of incorporating metaverse and it's incorporating um, cryptocurrency for some people. And it's just kind of incorporating and like expanding on the original internet. But the really interesting thing was when we talk about the metaverse, it's this whole entire world, but it's an intangible world. And we're already kind of there if you think about it. 
But the cool thing with the metaverse is you have these avatars um, that are also represented with NFTs. You have real estate, um, some of these like metaverse properties, which are actually really, really cool. And there's a lot of gameplay that's simply going on. But another thing to note is a lot of this stuff is so, so brand new. So, so, so brand new. It can change just because the, the information that I'm giving you right now, this information regarding the metaverse and Web3 and NFTs, this can all completely change and be outdated by next week. It kind of depends on what is being built and the speed of it. But it also kind of depends with the different regulation that's going to be instilled in the United States. So that's another very, very important factor. We have this layout and we have this idea of what we imagine metaverse and Web3 and NFTs, crypto, all of this to be. But at the same time, this could change with regulation. Um, recently, we saw that Facebook and well, now it's called Meta, but Meta and Instagram, they're going to be integrating their own like metaverse stuff, which, you know. Me personally, I'm more into decentralized uh, metaverses because I think Facebook is very bad. I don't think it's a good, I don't think fa Facebook is a good company. That's just my business. That's my, that's my opinion. I just don't like um, somebody having access to my data and selling it and then me not being compensated for it. But then in crypto, there's a lot of really cool solutions to that, which we can talk about on another show. But basically all the metaverses is just another, it's basically an extension of the internet, but it's a more interactive internet and it's a more kind of diverse and fully functioning internet to where you can actually go do things and visit people and see people like buy services and stuff like that. So we're starting to see a lot of cryptocurrency projects create metaverse sectors. And the reason why they're doing this is because you can have a little ecosystem inside your community and bring all your discord members or your telegram members, or maybe your friends, your family into these little cities and towns that is, that is functioning um, on that particular chain that you're building, the particular blockchain. Um, like for example, like Ethereum or Solana or Terra Luna or Avalanche or Phantom, all these, diff all these different chains, all these different protocols. But basically they're just like little cities and towns all across the United States. And you kind of get to pick and choose where you want to hang out depending on the internet capabilities you have and the tech capabilities you have. But you're going to see a lot more of these hubs kind of pop up. And a lot of them are associated with gameplay. There's a lot of really great cryptocurrency projects that are creating really awesome games to where you play these games and you can literally earn money. Like I have friends that they play particular ecosystems and play these games and they're able to earn like a hundred bucks for 30 minutes of gameplay, which like a hundred dollars a day for playing, you know, an hour or 30 minutes of your time. That's like life changing to some people, especially like, you know, like a stay at home mom, I'm a mom. I want to be able to play a game for 30 minutes, like hanging out with my daughter and earn a hundred bucks. Like that's pretty awesome. And so that's, what is that? 500 bucks a week for somebody. So you're going to see a lot more of these kind of pop up. And the interesting thing with that is we're starting to see land. We're starting to see land. We're starting to see property and people are like freaking out that these pieces of land or these NFTs in the metaverse are going for so much money. And it's a kind of a hard concept to grasp because when you think about it, you're like, why is this intangible piece of property worth $1 million? But realistically, when you think about it, why is there a home in my neighborhood that's worth a million dollars? Does, you know, yes, we, it does have tangible value because there's people that are actually living in it, but at the same time, why can't we kind of um, move that value over into the metaverse? if people are going to actually be participating in that building or that city or that town. So that to me, that, to me, that's what I, when I think of metaverse, that's what I think of. I think of this intangible town or city that people are collectively going to, to hang out, get drinks, watch live music, um, you know, talk to their friends, hang out with their friends and family members.
So it is essentially going to be, you know, if you're buying property in the metaverse, you're you're wanting to make sure that you're purchasing maybe in these communities, like you said, or these ecosystems where people are going to want to collect with each other. So, you know, like the New York cities and then the L.A.s where it's, you know, there's more going on there, which is why it's more expensive in real estate in reality. Right. So when you go to uh, metaverse, let's say. And we want to be inside of their um, ecosystem and people are still going to, let's say that there is just as an example, a target. So you're saying that in the virtual world, people are going to be walking through the aisles of target and picking out what they want, shopping for what they want. They pay for it and then it gets shipped to their home, but they're actually doing it in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walmart actually had, I think it was Walmart that had a protocol or a prototype or something like that, where you're like, put on your VR headset or whatever it is. And you kind of navigate down the aisles, you put stuff in your cart and then, you know, potentially you could get a shipment of stuff. So what it could do is a lot of people, you know, we've got, we're in the middle of this panorama right now. So maybe instead of going to the grocery store, you put on your VR headset, you go down Walmart and you pull some items you want in the cart. So you still get that in-person shopping experience to an extent. And then you get a drone that comes and brings stuff to your house. Is that the way of the future? Should we, should we want to have a future like that? I don't know, but that's where it's kind of heading. And that's where we're seeing a lot of people you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I do just about 99.9% of my shopping is through Instacart, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? See? So I'm already spending the time on my phone picking out the items. It would actually be nicer to put on the VR headset and go down the aisles, fill my cart, and have somebody deliver it, whether it's a drone or it's a person. But I could absolutely see how that would work. And so that's where I've been having such a hard time. Like, if it's all virtual, why are we buying land? It's something that could go on for ever i mean it, it's a computer can't it just keep creating space you know why would there be a certain place that you'd want to s- pay more money for maybe one piece of land over another right well a lot of it is code back so when we look at bitcoin bitcoin is bitcoin is math it's made from code it is code um you can't change it like with bitcoin there's 21 million bitcoin that will ever be made nobody can go in and say i'm gonna mint more bitcoin or i'm gonna make more bitcoin so we're gonna have another million bitcoin and have 22 million no there's only 21 million Bitcoin that's ever been made. And a lot of these metaverse projects, that's their type of ethos that they're using going forward. They have a particular area of land or that they've already pre predisposed that's going to serve as X, Y, and Z. So you're only able to purchase specific parts of this land that are available that aren't owned by somebody else. All this stuff is created and it's backed by code, by math. And a lot of times we take for granted how powerful math is. Like two plus two will always equal four. One plus one will always equal two. You cannot change that. And that's kind of similar is that you're, 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 you're kind of investing in something that is scarce. For example, you guys do real estate in Southern California. You know, we do have a lot of property. It is a large place, but at the same time, when you're talking about selling a piece of property for a million dollars, that might be 600 square feet in Laguna Beach, as opposed to maybe Ontario, California, that's 600 square feet. That property in Ontario, California might be 300,000, worth 300,000 because it doesn't have that view and it's not in the desired area. Just like that property in Laguna Beach, that's um, 600 square feet or whatever it is, is going for a million dollars. And people are willing to pay for that million dollars because of the view or the location. And it's going to be very similar to metaverse property because people are going to want to have, like you said, they're going to want to be in New York city, or they're going to want to be in LA and Laguna beach in these, these areas that we know that maybe celebrities are going to be there. People with high affluence are going to be there. 
heck, maybe that there's a particular school in that district or in that area that might be beneficial that your children go to. And if you own a piece of property in that metaverse, that's the way that they have access to it. So there's different, there's different pieces here. And I know it's, this kind of sounds crazy and people, people are gonna be like, when do you, this is like, not, this is kind of cuckoo, but realistically we do the same. We, we humans assign monetary value to all different types of stuff. Like I've got the, the baby Yoda's in the back. You know, like I paid, I think I bought those for 20 bucks each from Target. Like who's not going to say that those aren't going to be more valuable in 20 years from now. So it just kind of, it depends what people are willing to put value in. And of course, there's going to be different communities that are going to be more robust than others that have better features, that have better graphics, that have better communities, that have, um, that have different things that appeal to different people from different backgrounds, culturally, maybe that a different metaverse may not. Gotcha. So, so being that it's a real estate show, mortgage show, right? Uh, so number one, somebody comes to me and they say, you know, Debbie, how do we, um, like, can you refer me to somebody? Where do I start? I want to buy a house. I, I don't even know what to do. And the first thing, obviously, that I would get them prepared with is, you know, well, you, let's see what you qualify for. Let's get you pre-approved for your loan. And then from there, let's get you referred off to a real estate agent for the neighborhood where you want to live, right? It's, it's very, very simple. This is, uh, I wouldn't even know going into it, who do, you, who do you call? Where do you research? Where do you start? Like, how do you know where the best place is to be purchasing or you know, which piece of land that, that might be where your kid would maybe go to school? Like, this is so new. How do you even know where to start or to do the research and who to talk to? So with metaverse stuff, it's still super, super, super new. So I don't even have a solid answer for you. And the reason why I don't have a solid answer for you is because I'm still learning myself. Like you have to remember, like I was, I got into crypto end of 2017, like back in 2017, the only way to make money in crypto was really, you had to learn how to trade and you had to be a savvy investor. Like that that's what it was. But summer of 2020, that's when everything changed. We started to see DeFi. We started to kind of see like more NFTs pop off. And like, like I had heard about NFTs. I knew what they were. I knew about the technology behind it. I loved, and I've always supported NFTs because I love and support small artists, musicians, poets, creators, and NFTs really provide a way for people to own their, their material. But we really didn't see NFTs pop off until like mid last year. So this whole craze, it's, it is, I don't want, I hate to use the word craze because I don't think NFTs are craze. I don't think metaverse. I think this is just the very, very beginning. So we're all still learning and trying to navigate this ecosystem because it's super, super complex, like really, really complex. Like how do projects gain value? And in crypto, things work a little bit differently than like traditional finance. Like we don't have earnings reports. We have, we look at code, we look at the team, we we look at project utility, we look at tokenomics, we look at mining economics, we look if it's, um, you know, what type of chain it is, what these guys want to do. So still navigating cryptocurrency projects is hard. I have an entire team that I work with and we talk about projects, um, you know, that come through our email or projects that we want to invest in projects that we want to present to our audience. But as far as some of the metaverse stuff goes, like I'm, we're still trying to kind of learn about what projects are promising and which ones aren't. Um, but right now we're really focusing on projects, metaverse projects that have play to earn mechanisms with them that are incorporated into the esports, incorporated into gaming that have NFTs that have, um, a cryptocurrency, um, 
coin that actually has utility with it. And when we're talking about utility, like, can I use this to vote in a DAO? Can I, am I earning passive income on this? Like, what does this project do? So when we look at good projects to kind of invest in when it comes to metaverse, like I'm like, one of the things that we're doing is we're investing in a lot of the metaverse stuff, like a lot of the projects. And then we're kind of seeing how that they're, how these guys are being built out. Are they making, does they all have, all projects have roadmaps. So we're saying, are these deadlines being hit? Like, what does this metaverse have to offer that this metaverse doesn't have to offer? But to me, if I see a project that has like game, that has gaming to where I can hang out in a metaverse, hang out with my friends or, you know, do some play to earn stuff. That's something that I do want to be invested. Obviously this method that I have now could be outdated by next week, just because the ecosystem is going to change so, so fast, but you want to look at a lot of different components. And just because a friend or family members, like you have to invest in this, this is the place to be. I would still be very, very weary. And I would also recommend that the audience not hop into anything right off the bat because they hear a friend or family member talk about it because a lot of these crypto cryptocurrency projects that are metaverse associated, NFT associated, they might not be around in six months from now because a lot of these projects, you have to remember, they are, they are, entrepreneurs have created this stuff. Entrepreneurship is amazing, but at the same time, a lot of entrepreneurs do not make it. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because they did, they just had a very poorly executed idea because being an entrepreneur, you need to look at, do I know, you know, you have to, Am I good at legal? Am I good at accounting? Am I good at being a manager? Am I a good worker? You have all these different aspects that kind of are encompassed into one. So I think right now it's important for people to start learning what metaverse is, learning what Web3 is, learning what NFTs are, learning about the different things behind it. But I wouldn't necessarily encourage anybody to kind of jump in if they have no idea what they're doing, because what's going to happen is you're going to buy all this real this, this metaverse real estate, and it could actually end up being worthless one day. So you have to be very careful what you decide to buy. So am I am I kind of understanding that, uh, for example, you've got all these different um, uh, what are they the uh, altcoins, right? And mm -hmm. and different projects and are, are those kind of like their own ecosystem in the metaverse? Is am I kind of some of them are. Okay. Some of them are. And so some of these metaverse projects, they're built utilizing some of these altcoins. Um, they're a really, really great free website that anybody can use. It's called CoinGecko, and it basically tracks all the different market caps for all the different cryptocurrency projects. But they have a little tab that says categories, and you can see all of the different ecosystems that we have. And there's a lot of altcoins that utilize these specific chains. Gotcha. So you can start to, you can begin to start to research there, but again, you want, you don't want to just like, you don't want to listen to the show and think that you're an expert because I'm not even an expert in this stuff because it changes so, and it moves so fast. There are some projects that I do have on my radar that I think will do well and sustain long-term, but I'm also very, um, when I'm investing in this stuff, I'm taking on a lot of risk. And I understand like if I'm dumping in five, six figures on something, I'm assuming the risk that this thing could go to zero. So I'm doing, I'm, there's other plays that I have that are kind of hedging against this risk. And I'm also, we're also paying heavily attention what the team is doing. Are they making good on their promises? Like just different things like that. Gotcha. Tony, do you have any questions for her? Cause I can tell you that I am by no means the expert on this stuff. I am, I, I, I've kind of got a grasp of it, but I'm still a little bit confused. I think I've definitely got to start doing the research. Uh, just like when I decided to start buying into some Bitcoin and Ethereum and I've, you know, I've got some Cardano and, you know, I've, I've got some other things, but I'm definitely by no means an expert in the field. I'm just taking this all in. It's just great listening to Wendy on this. This is all good info. So I don't have any questions, but this is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm talking too much, but at the same time, it's a really hard concept to explain because you're talking like, 
at least my generation, like we, everything was so tangible, like super, super tangible. I want to be able to touch. I want to be able to feel like I want to be able to experience like humans are humans are been used for since the beginning of time on experiences, on feeling, on touching, like going in person to do things in person interaction. And now we're into this age where we're able to do so many cool things from the comfort of our own homes. And there's also like, I'll play devil's advocate here. Is it really healthy <laughs> to be doing everything from home? But at the same time, I think it is important. Like you might disagree with metaverse, um, but at the same time, I think like me, myself as an entrepreneur, I think it's very important to kind of pay attention to all these different little caveats and all these different little fields of or areas of interest um, that people are interested in spending a lot of money in just so that I'm kind of, that I'm educated on it. Number one, I talk about this, this is my job, but number two, like I want to be able to capitalize and make money too. And I don't want to want to miss out. And I think by submer the easiest way to kind of continue to learn about this stuff and su submersing yourself in different communities and keeping an open mind, like obviously metaverse isn't ideal for a lot of people especially some people from different generations or different cultures. But at the same time, it is coming. It is a future. Facebook is one of the largest companies in the world. And they're like super, super bullish on metaverse. And they're going to have their, you know, they, they rebranded, they changed their name to meta. And if a large company like Facebook is doing it and everybody's moms, dads, grandmas, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins is on Facebook, then that you're going to get a culture shock there. And it's going to start to push people into it. Maybe our generation might not get it, but I know our kids will. Oh, 100%. And, you know, here's, I guess, that the next question is, let's say that you buy yourself some land in the metaverse, right? Now, do you have to be that experienced uh, techno, you know, in the technology field of being able to build whatever it is that you want to build on your land? You know, is it is it like conventional real estate? Some, yes. I buy a piece of land and I need to know how I'm going to find the contractor and get the funds and do the work and put up that piece of business, whether it's commercial or it's residential, right? Whatever it is that I'm trying to do in the real world. So there, if let's say I go in, and I say, hey, you know what? I really want to try to get in early. I want to buy a piece of land in there. But do I need to know what to do with it? Yes, you do. So some projects you do actually ha have to actively tend to your land. So that's a thing to consider is you like, are you investing in something that you have to tend to? Has a, and a lot of these metaverse projects, they're not fully built out yet. You can still buy land as a form, because it's all a form of NFT. You can do it on like Rarible, on Looks, on OpenSea, whatever it is. So for example, um, there's a project that I'm heavily invested in. My best friend, she does a lot of gaming for this project. She plays the games, like really, really good at it. I was not able to afford land, well, to afford land for this particular project. Well, I didn't want to because it was super, super expensive, but she has a bunch of land because she's super in that ecosystem. So I was like, I need to be more involved in this ecosystem. Like you're doing so well. She's like, well, if you buy, she's like, there's a tavern for sale, buy it. It's like 0.1 ETH and you can put it on my land when the game drops. So I went ahead and I bought a tavern. I bought some avatars for the game. So when the game drops, I can place my tavern on her land and she's not going to charge me rent. However, anybody else would charge me rent for this and I would have to pay them ETH or whatever it is. So you have to pay attention what, where you're buying your land, um, what, what you're buying for it, because some of these lands um, do require people to take care of it, do require maintenance and stuff like that. So I think it's good for people to kind of start falling down this rabbit hole, but, and learn how a lot of these metaverse projects work. Cause most of them aren't built out yet to where you can actually participate. For example, Decentraland Mana, that's pretty much built out. So anybody can go and like hang out there and play video games. I, they do a lot of um, gaming, all kinds of really cool stuff there. You can see bands, all kinds of really awesome stuff, but most metaverse projects aren't 
aren't filled out, but you also have to see, like, you have to make sure that you, that you've made yourself aware of what you need to do to where your land will survive or your crops or your beachside view. So some of these do require you to tend to them. Others you can simply keep in your, you know, on your MetaMask wallet or your phantom wallet. Obviously you want to use cold storage as well. You want to have your ledger treasure set up with it. Um, or you can just kind of simply hold on to it. It really kind of depends. Uh, all I know is that my head is spinning. I mean, this is good stuff. It's obviously, I think, uh, you know, again, the future, I think we're going to see it. Like you said, um, our generation, maybe not all of us will really get it. And we are a very tangible generation. And then you've got like my kids that are 17 and 21. Uh, I've got one that is, you know, six. And so I think that they're going to, it's just going to be like the back of their hand. It's just like the computers for them. I didn't have to put them into a typing class like I had to take, you know, when I was in school, they, they just get it. It's just, they grew up with it. They grew up with the computer screen. They grew up with the keyboard and, you know, it's just second nature for them. So I think that this is something that will be very beneficial down the road. I think it's definitely worth taking the time, investing the time and learning about it. And, um, gosh, it's definitely different, a different kind of real estate investment, but one thing I do want to kind of close with is even like some people, what they are doing, um, there's, there's cryptocurrency projects that are part of metaverse web three, like they're, they're still building things out and they're very, there's a lot of hype associated with it, but they're not fully built out yet. So what a lot of people are doing is they know what these, what these projects are. I'm not going to tell you guys because you guys can have to, you know, sort it out yourself. Um, but what they're doing is, is they're buying land. They're buying land, they're holding onto it and they're selling it. Or what they're doing is they're buying land, waiting for the floor price to rise and then flipping it and just going back and forth and buying and selling and buying and selling. So you're seeing people capitalize on these properties, metaverse properties, or these like uh, maybe a bathtub for your, for your home, or I don't know, whatever it is via NFT and they're selling them back and forth. Wow. It's just like the real world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, that is crazy. Well, uh, thank you so much. I know we could probably talk about this for hours, um, just trying to wrap our heads around it. And I just appreciate your time so much. The information was amazing. I would love to have you on again to to do more and to give us more. You were you were fantastic, um, Tony. Thank you, you know, for coming on and talking to us about the the financing space, the mortgage space, and what we can do with it. Again, I know uh, we didn't maybe satisfy your your excitement of what have they got, what can they do, uh, Wendy, but. Uh, we have definitely sitting in this chair, writing the loans, working with the clients. We've definitely made some leaps and bounds in what is available and being able to utilize. So thank you both so much for being on. I really appreciate it. And Wendy, is there anything that you want to say in closing? Um, well, first off, thank you guys so much for having me. This was great. I was excited to hang out and talk about metaverse, but I also learned a lot about like what I can do with my crypto when it comes to um, buying property because I do want to, um, I probably will be relocating out of California because it's just so expensive here. And I would like to pay a little bit less in taxes, <laughs> but at the same time, it's good to be, for me to be able to have my options. Um, if you guys want to find me or you want to learn more about what I do, as far as, you know, I put a lot of free content out. Um, I'm on YouTube, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. I've got the free newsletter. Everything is always at crypto windy. Um, I've got a lot of impersonators. So if I ever message you, it's not me. Um, I love y'all, but I don't have time. I've got a five-year-old daughter that 
probably is like tore the absolutely tore the house up out there. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys want to find out more about me, um, I've got my my website. We've got the free newsletter. It has a lot of really good services. And yeah, thanks for having me. No, thank you. And and Tony, thanks again for coming on. You're always amazing. And I just appreciate that you take the time with me. I know you're a busy guy uh, writing our loans and approving them and getting them funded. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, guys. Well, you guys have a good one. Thank you so much again. Really, really appreciate it. Wendy, you're amazing. You guys follow her on YouTube and um, follow me too. Love you. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Debbie Marcuse, licensed by the Department of Financial Institutions and MLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 0941504. Florida, LO76508. Georgia, 69178. Idaho, Nevada, 57237. Oregon, Tennessee, 184373. Texas, Washington, MLO237926. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go, pick up the phone and call mom.